Hey, it's Marthea Pitts. Welcome to my podcast where I talk about all things mission-driven work. As a three-time award-winning workforce development career counselor, I am on a mission to help more professionals like you get into good quality, good paying jobs that align with your personal and professional areas of interest. Here on my podcast, I share stories about my career journey, interview rising and well-established change makers, and provide tangible strategies and techniques to increase your career confidence and clarity to create the career you dream about. Be sure to take a few minutes to follow my podcast and visit my website at macroandpaid.com to grab my free e-course and connect with me on Instagram at the underscore MSW coach. Now stay tuned because this is going to be a good episode. Hey, this is Marthea Pitts, the MSW coach, and I am back with another episode of my podcast, Macro Social Work Your Way. And today I have a special guest, someone who I have had the honor from like a pretty, I didn't work directly under her leadership, but I worked in an organization where she was the leader and it's Dr. Kimberly Moore. And so this is someone that I had to have on the podcast specifically because When I first started working at the organization that she was leading, all people would tell me about was her body of work and her resume and all of the things. So she has been someone that I have watched from afar, um, and I really am in love with her career and education journey. So introduce yourself, Dr. Moore, and let the listeners know a little bit about you as a person and a professional. Oh, absolutely. So I'll start with, you know, I am a small town girl with big dreams. So grew up in Greenville, Florida, our east of the capital city city in Tallahassee, Florida. And what's neat, 1500 strong. That's how many people. So um, gave me um, lots of opportunity and time to dream. Um, I have over time, you know, had a passion for workforce development and how do you not only live out your dreams, but create pathways for others to live out their dreams. So that's been the power and driver for me. Um, I will tell you, I've been in the workforce development slash education for the last um, two decades and some of which has meant um, serving as the chief executive officer uh, for a economic and workforce development organization, first woman, youngest, and first person of color, and then transitioning that to education, where I got to serve as the vice president for workforce innovation, first woman, first person of color, and now in my current role as chief workforce innovation officer at Yavapai College, um, inaugural, first person in the position and first person to lead the division. So I'm very thankful to be here and thankful for all the opportunities that I've been um, exposed to and that I get to share with others. I love that. Can we go back a little bit? Because listeners, they love a good story time on this podcast. (laughs) The more detail you can provide, the better. Can you take us back to where Dr. Moore started? Like, give us an idea of the types of jobs you had early on in your career and how did that eventually lead you to the executive leadership roles that you have held and currently hold? Oh, absolutely. It's all about the journey. So my first job was actually as a dishwasher. I was 14, 14 years old at the Stone Fox restaurant. It was a pizza restaurant in uh, Madison County where I grew up. 
And though I enjoyed, I always had the spirit and desire to work. I, I just wondered, like, how, how do people move up even in those jobs? So I was happy doing my dishwashing. And then I got to go to driver once I was driver age to delivery. And then um, as I progressed in high school, this is all still in high school, got the opportunity to work at Dairy Shake. And it's like, is that Dairy Queen? No, Dairy Shake um, from Madison County. And it was there, Keith Fawcett, he was the owner of it, but he allowed me and my sister, we were 15 and 16 respectively, to run the whole operation. Literally, he would leave us um, on the weekend, starting from Friday, he'd give us the rules and responsibilities, and we would run it over the weekend. I mean, deposits, take the deposit home, which people don't do anymore, but he'd tell us, take the deposit home, put it in your mom's trunk. We weren't driving. And uh, and so you learn responsibility and how you had to be a salesperson, how you had to just take it all in. That, of course, by the time I left Madison, I graduated at 17, went on to college at TCC. And of course, you need a flexible schedule. So I got into fast food again. So I started off as a manager. I was a manager at 18 at Hardee's. I was what they call a swing manager. Again, always kind of seeing the building blocks of responsibility. Um, but before I was a manager, I was the cashier. And it was during that time I recognized that you could have bad managers and you can have good managers. Um, I, uh, fortunately for my career, have bad managers. And I will tell you that is what drove me to where really where I am. You say, how does you know Hardy's um, drive you to where you are? Well, there were managers that would just you know not get involved, and you'd have to do all the work, and you're not doing not only doing your job, but you're doing two or three other people's jobs. And so I wondered, I was like, man, how how do you? not how do you get out of this situation i know you got to work but how do you how do you um, make the situation better and it was for me is that you know what you have to be in a position of authority because if you're not in a position of authority you're left to you know deal with whatever's happening and it's not that you want to be in a position of authority so that you can in turn become the tyrant it is so that you can make sure that others see the difference between the two um that allowed me to finish my college career working and going to school, of course, Hardy's and McDonald's swing manager there too. And then at the point of um, preparing to graduate, I remember being offered an opportunity to take on my own store, you know, my own McDonald's, you know, have your own store. And I think for me, that was pivotal because it reminded me of that wherever you are, do your best job. McDonald's was not my last point or my end point, but I wanted to excel where I was. And that's that's the important piece about not leaving that. Once I got into my career, my first job was in state government, you know, the infamous state government. So I, um, you know, the thought then is that you get two years of experience. Worked there a year and 11 months. And I saw this opportunity called workforce. And I said, you know what? This is likely a job that I could do everywhere and no clue but you know leave it to the history that's what's been my career for the last two decades i took that job i left my state government job started off as a ops temporary worker um, left my comfort zone that's another nugget there um, i was not selected as a permanent employee i was selected as a part-time person without benefits um, i will tell you that i still asked an orientation and the then ceo could, could tell you 
that I asked, how do you become a CEO? How do you, how do I, how do we, I get your position? And I remember him saying, Dr. Wyatt Pope, he said, Kim, you got to pay your dues. I've been doing this for 30 years. And the young career minded me said, I don't have 30 years. And seven years, fast forward later, I was Florida's youngest CEO, um, did hold that spot and did lead it for eight years, which is probably where our connection happened. Yes, it most definitely did. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was taking notes, so I had to come off mute. And I, I want to I wanna recap a lot of what you said because it is so... It's just, it's going to help the people. Um, so you talked about the difference between good managers and bad managers and the fact that your experience with bad managers um, essentially led you on this mission to be the opposite of those bad managers that people um, will see uh, to show like a point of comparison. I, I, I wanted to tease apart this point because what I see sometimes with the professionals that I work with, and I admittedly experience this as well, sometimes an experience with a bad manager can really sour your potential career opportunities in the future, right? And so what I see, what I've seen a lot in the last year with career seekers is that they are struggling with like career trauma from the experiences of working under bad leadership, bad managers, from being micromanaged, all of the things. Are there any tips or strategies that you can give them in overcoming an experience with a bad manager? Absolutely. Um, never see it as your permanent state of being. Always look at it as a place that you are passing through and what is it that you need to get from that moment. Um, I, I, too, like I shared, um, have had the experience of both good and bad, some that allowed me to grow. And I think I did, you know, and, and move in a different direction and some that actually probably, here's the deal, made me stronger. I studied more. I learned more. I got more involved because I knew that that was not where I wanted to be and it was not who I wanted to be. And if I allowed them to control the narrative and control the situation, they were going to turn me into somebody who I didn't know. And who I did know was someone that was very much committed to being their very best. So despite if you can't, I tell people, if you can't, you know, if the environment is not such that you can excel on the job and it's a find other outlets. I volunteered. I started my board service. I continued my education. I started looking at all those things that they could not control and that I can take responsibility for. So it's really about how can I can how can I look for ways to be in control of what happens next to me? How can I be the CEO of me? even though I'm not the CEO of this job yet. Yes, I love that. Thank you. That will most definitely help someone. Um, now, when I was preparing for the podcast interview, I always do my due diligence and do research. And I love to study people's bodies of work. So I was on LinkedIn and I'm scrolling down because I've looked at your experience before, but I never realized, like you said, that you started at TCC. And for those who are listening to the podcast, because I have people in other countries that listen as well. TCC is the community college that I've told you all about before that I also attended. But I'm glad that you mentioned that because sometimes it's hard for people who have what 
the world may deem as not so traditional education and work experiences to understand that even though your beginning didn't start out like everyone else's, you still can connect the dots and end up where you want to be career and education wise. So I'm glad that you, you shared with us and you were very transparent in your early beginnings in fast food and um, getting your degree from a community college, which you later worked in the college system. So can we talk about your current role. So yeah. uh, how did you find your current job? What was the hiring process? And the reason I ask this question is because a lot, there's a huge career myth um, in the world of social work and outside of social work in regards to um, high ranking positions, executive leadership, senior executive leadership roles that you need to know someone to get a job. Um, so can you talk about like how you found the job? What was the hiring process? Did you have to know someone um, to get the position? So, so I'll back back uh, probably to the three positions. So even with um, Workforce Plus, where I was the CEO and then the vice president at Tallahassee Community College and ultimately here, chief workforce innovation officer. So each of those jobs, it was really built on the same thing. What do you do? And I tell people, you, you, you actually walk into the job. You do the job before you get into it. You don't wait to say for someone to say, hey, you're CEO now. You're doing the work and preparing yourself so along the way. So when I before I became chief executive officer, I had already been the number two person in the organization and I had taken on other responsibilities. I'd ask, can I do all the contract negotiations? Can I do writing contracts? It wasn't something that I was paid for, but I knew that when I stepped into the role, I wanted to be ready day one. So it's not wait until you clock in and hey, now it's me. It's what do you do that prepares you so that you're ready when the moment um, happens? So preparation meets opportunity. So with Tallahassee Community College, again, transitioning careers completely, going out of workforce economic to education. I'd never been in education, right? But I knew even though they were doing a national search, there was something that I was doing that oftentimes you don't see in academia. And that was the ability to be able to connect outside with community employers and really connect the dots in three ways. So I remember even though they did a national search and I um, provided at the end of my presentation, they asked me, said, what sets you apart from other candidates? And Dr. Murdaugh and the rest of the panel, I said, I'm turnkey. I only need a key to my office. Here's my 90 day plan. I left them with the presentation. I said, this is what your first 90 days would look like if you decide to move with me. They made that decision and we rewrote history. I was the longest serving vice president there and we literally um, changed the landscape both locally, statewide and nationally about how people perceive workforce and education. For this position, same thing. I was out selling and talking about the work that we were doing at TCC. We were um, top workforce program identified in the nation top 10 back-to-back -back years. So I was actually doing a presentation about that in San Antonio. And when this college um, participated in my presentation, along with others, and they asked, you know, could we contact you and find out more? So it really was not necessarily, I tell people, if you do your work and do your job and learn your craft, you will never look for a job. 
I promise you, you will never look for a job. And that's how I really based my career on how do I be my best self every day? And so it really wasn't about who I know. I didn't know anybody. I'd been to Arizona for presentations, but never, ever thought, hey, you know, this is one that should land on my radar. I love that planning meets preparation and you, everything that you share is, is right on point with a lot of what we talk about on this podcast, but you just gave a bird's eye view of what it looks like implemented. Um, So just out of curiosity, this is my question. So do you have a career, did you have a career plan or on some level, be it formal or informal, that I want to do this, this, you know, this set of years and then do something else in a few more years? So at 14, I wanted to be, I, I wrote down, I wanted to be a CEO. I did not have that, um, I call it that okay until my um, senior year, um, English teacher, Miss Young, and she asked us to write down what we wanted to do. And I told her, I wrote down, I was going to come go to college, I was going to go back home, and I was going to work in state government. And she said, brought me up to her desk and she said, Kim, your grades are great. You know, is that is that really what you want to do? And she said, and I said, I actually wanted to be a CEO. And I whispered it to her. She said, no, go back and write that. And so I call that my permission to dream because I was like, she believes that I can, so I'm going to do this. And so really at 14, I knew that I wanted to do that. And again, realizing that early win, I told people it was not without struggle, but to become Florida's youngest CEO to lead that organization at 31, um, I recognize the power of dreams and the power of that if you have something that you can focus in on, that you can achieve it. So yeah, that was my first one. But I also recognize that I like to reinvent. I like to, you know, pull out the possibilities. I like to do what's next. So I knew that I would not be a 30-year CEO. I knew that there was much more to this journey and that, yes, it was important to put a light, a spotlight on, yes, you can do this as a Black woman. Yes, you can do this as a young woman. Yes, you can do it in a place where people haven't seen it before. That, to me, I, I, I think it pushed me even more because I wanted people to understand and see themselves in this little girl that came from Greenville, Florida, 1,500 people that people will say, what do you even know about economic and workforce development? So, so yes, I mean, to that degree, for this point going forward, it really hasn't been about planning a career path. It's more about positioning myself for opportunity. My doctorate, you know, the the awards, it's about positioning, not necessarily zero in, zeroing in on a job because I believe the what's next always finds you. I love that. Also, I I put it in quotes. I'm gonna wanna make a I'm gonna make some type of um, Instagram post out of it that you gave your yourself permission to dream. Your it was your my permission to dream is how you were quoted saying that. Um, with that, I wanted to talk a little bit about the fact that a lot of the listeners listening to this podcast episode they are admittedly overwhelmed burnt out because they do work in very direct practice service roles where they are working with people day in and day out in high numbers. Um, And so with that, paired with that also is the fact that many of them feel stuck in their positions because they don't know have enough career education. That's why I have this podcast and do my services around what else they can do with their degree. And so with that, like all of those things mixed in, including like personal things as well, responsibilities, 
they don't have room or energy to dream about what is next. And so I say that to ask this question, do you ever experience overwhelm or burnout? And this is a question for listeners because they always want to know this as far as leaders, do they experience the same things they do? And if not, if you do, what are some things that you do, strategies, techniques to overcome that? So absolutely. I think that's a a wonderful question. So um, what we didn't talk about is that I was actually a case manager in the organization that I I started off as, um, again, OPS part-time, no benefits, that part of it. Um, So I was a case manager and I recognized I had the 130 people on the caseload. And, you know, by the time you got through dealing with their woes and trying to figure out what's the best path in partnership with them, you were drained. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have time to think about my life. But even at that moment, I did say that if I stop here, I can't, even though I wanted to help them more, I never, I thought I'd be a CEO. I didn't know I'd be a CEO there. Why it became important for me to be a CEO there is because as I work with all of the clients that I had, I was like, man, if, if there has to be an advocate at the very highest level that helps to, chart out and helps them helps people around decision makers and others to understand that it is not an easy journey you know to say hey you know go go ahead and case manage them up there are so many barriers and factors so that gave me perspective to leave the organization there in terms of burnout yeah i mean you you at, at all levels because again to whom much is given much is required so a lot of people see me post a lot of things on linkedin i was like how do you do all those things i actually manage i usually have my calendar printed out 30 days in advance i am you know being strategic about my meetings i'm being strategic about what things that are going to be outside that i'm going to be involved in all of that to say, yes, you can experience it, but what I look to find is what are my outlets? What are my outlets relative to, I am a faith. So of course, balancing that with prayer and reading and working with other people, also looking for mentors. So I didn't necessarily have a career mentor, I would say along the way. I've had a lot of people that have spent seasons in my life that I think have just totally helped shape me. And I appreciate that. But now I look to people because oftentimes, you know, you'll you'll navigate the people that are in the same spot. So y'all are kind of sharing your roles with one another and everybody's depressed. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I look for people that have kind of made their way out of that and they are doing something. We have some like similarities, but there are things that I know that they've had to go through and they've made it on the other side. So that's what I do in the way of even engaging. I reached out to a colleague that I've been watching, met one time, but been following on LinkedIn, I reached out to him last week, like, hey, I think I want to catch up with you and I want to hear more about your journey. He said, yes, his office is setting it up. And so, yeah, really, really knowing that you don't have to find all the answers within yourself. I love that because that is the one thing that I always talk about, about like community and expanding your circle outside of the case managers, because they are case managers that listen to this podcast and social workers that you know, because in the field of social work, and I can say this, they, they love to hang with each other, but you need to go and meet other people outside of the field of social work, especially if you want to do large-scale change-making work. And I'm so glad that you, I completely forgot that you did start off in a case management position. Um, I'm so glad you talked about that and how your desire was much greater to do more um, because 
the, the listeners listening to this, they have that same desire. They see issues in their frontline work and they want to do larger work to change the things that they see. Can um, I share one more thing about yeah. that? And that one more thing is that here's, you know, a lot of people say, well, no, I don't have leadership skills. I don't have the ability to move up and, you know, I'm going to stay in my role for forever and a day. If you are, when they, when the company or organization, whoever you work for, onboard somebody and you are the one left with training them, you are already doing the job, but you're handing it over each time. So please do, don't ever say that you're not ready. Be prepared for the moment, but do not say that you're not. Because I promise you, the listeners, y'all are probably already training up your manager, training up your supervisor. And then you're wondering why you're still in the same spot. Yes. And that happens to a lot of people listening, most definitely. Thank you so much for that. Um, can you give us a brief, what detail, because we love detail, um, overview of what your day-to-day -day work looks like in your current role? So in my current role as Chief Workforce Innovation Officer, the great thing about that is that you are writing the script. So I had to stand up a division. I had to, in some areas, um, really define what it was going to look like. What was the model going to be? So it is looking at my day includes tons of meetings, it's tons of meetings, um, but again, being strategic about them. Um, I'm making sure that I'm not only performing on the inside, I make sure I'm balancing that with getting on the outside with community. I tell people you can be the best leader behind the walls, but you also have to get outside of those walls to make sure that you are a complete and holistic leader. So do a lot of that. Um, lots of uh, making sure that I'm even closing the loop because as much as you do the work, you got to tell the story too. So I make sure that I'm finding outlets by way of LinkedIn to connect and elevate our story even more. So it's, you know, it's a combination. It's meetings, it's strategy, it's community engagement, and it's tell the story. So I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. So here's a question that people always have about leadership roles is around, it's around like the fear that some have about advancing or moving into more front-facing positions. Did you have any fear or hesitation about stepping into your leadership positions? I was more afraid of not taking a chance and betting on myself than staying in my current role. Um, I figured that I would be a quick study and I would do what I needed to do, but I knew that the greater fear is to later think about what could have been. So I didn't want to be a what could have been person. I wanted to bet on myself. Thank you for that. And this is another Marthea question. Um, so with the betting on yourself over the years, how did you refine or even identify like your leadership style and how did you refine your leadership practices? Was there a lot of trial and error with that? Did you read some books, take a sort of certification class? What, what did that look like? So oftentimes we love to assess ourselves and we'll do individual assessments that tell us who we are, but I will tell you the best mirror is actually the people that work for you and with you um, and those that are on the outside. So seeking feedback, because oftentimes, you know, we'll perceive ourselves as one way, but if the masses perceive us as another way, then, you know, perception is reality. So really it's been to get feedback from trusted people, because I know 
I, again, you know, sometimes you can get feedback and people aren't don't have it in their best interest. So they're going to tell some tell you something that's spiral your world. So really from trusted sources and to be able to reflect on that. So I think my style has evolved over time. It's more um, servant leader at this juncture and more um, people centered wanting to tap into people who want the very best, because, again, I appreciate having achieved a lot of things early. So I, in turn, want to make sure that other people around me achieve those things if they want it. So that evolved. It evolved from me to now focusing on in on other people. Yes, great advice about vetting your sources. We talk about that a lot. <laughs> um, so at this point in time, whatever you're comfortable with sharing, of course, don't, don't share your trade secrets. But what are your long-term career goals? So, you know, I, I always share, and, I, and this was a year ago when I was at Tallahassee Community College, and I was asked this in an interview, and I said, where do you see yourself, Kim? And I, and I, I say the same, even though in this new role, I see possibility. Um, I see multiple pathways. You know, one of the opportunities, of course, um, and I'll say this really quickly, is that when I was at TCC, I didn't realize that, that I was like, hey, you could Think about the next step, which would be president of an institution. What I learned about that, I always tell people, go and look at job descriptions. If you want to figure out what's next, figure out what's needed. So I looked at that. You needed a doctorate. So what did I do? Go and get a doctorate. So you prepare yourself for the opportunity. You seek out experiences that go along with that opportunity. I think the other um, possibility um, would be consulting. You don't do these things and learn these things to just keep them to yourself. So I, I love that I'll have a rich experience of East Coast, West Coast, um, workforce development, economic development as a woman, as a minority, as a leader, and just really putting that all together. So that's a possibility. And then I'd say the third piece is doing what we're doing now. Um, I did um, do some teaching at um, Dallas Community College in the business program. I do believe that ultimately later on in my chapter that I'll, I'll be in the classroom sharing with others, you know, some of these things that, you know, were it not been for these experiences, because they're never free about you. Experiences about what you get to share with other people. So true. So true. And I love the point where you talked about earlier, the fact that you, before you went to get additional credentials and degrees, you actually did your research. We talk about that as well on this podcast to actually read the job description or find the, tar the job that you're targeting to determine, is this needed? Because there are a lot of over-credential and, um, you know, getting on the workforce development. That's the truth. Yes. Credentialed professionals out there, especially social workers. They love a good certification in, in multiple degrees and licenses. So thank you so much for that. Um, so to wrap up our conversation, is there one thing, one piece of one tip, one takeaway that you would like to leave with the listeners about being a leader and leadership, a lesson learned that you've learned over the years, one thing. Um, so le leadership really does start with you and you can be a manager and a leader wherever you are. You don't wait for the promotion, the title. You become that and you recognize that from the very beginning. So don't wait on permission to do that. Give yourself permission and walk in that way. Um, people will see it when you take that on yourself. I'm not waiting for people to tell me that, hey, you're a great workforce. You know, you tell your own story. And so I would encourage the listeners to dig deep and know that you have the potential and the opportunity will meet that. You just trust in the work that you're doing. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Moore. Can you share with listeners where they can contact you or follow you in your work? Because I know someone will reach out. They love to just connect. Um, and Absolutely. Absolutely. They can certainly find me on at Kimberly Moore on um, LinkedIn and I'll put it in the chat or either share it with you so that you have it specifically. Well, I know you have it. So if, you'll, if we can include it in the um, in the podcast, that will be wonderful. I'd love for them to ask questions, you know, follow. And I'd certainly love to be a champion for the work that they're going to do as well. So but thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you, Dr. Moore. And everyone have a wonderful day. Happy macro career planning. Bye. <laughs> bye bye.